Hello, everyone. I am not sure that everyone is hearing me right now. I need to see if we are good to go. Um, I'm not seeing. Let me know. Can you hear me out there? Somebody send me a signal to let me know that you can hear me um, before I begin. I, I seem to have lost a little bit of my audio sound, so that's leaving me a little bit hesitant in starting. Okay, great. So I got the okay that I can be heard. So welcome again to Her Many Voices Foundation uh, Indigenomics. Today, we're going to be discussing business owner strategies. And for those who do not know me, my name is Tammy. Um, and for some, you can call me Miss Tammy, of course, but we're going to be discussing something really different today. The last nine sessions, today is the 10th. We're coming down to the very end. We have one more session after today. Um, uh, but the last sessions, we've kind of focused on the individual, on the personal, what to do to protect oneself, what to do to grow one's wealth and so on and so forth. Today, we're going to be focusing on businesses. And because we live in this beautiful country, this democracy, capitalism, owning a business is key to success here. Not just having a J-O-B where, there we go, I'm about to share my screen. Um, let's see if you can see that. I'm sure you can. There we go. We're here. Okay, here it is. Her Many Voices Foundation, the Indigenomics Business Owner Strategies. Okay, we're going to be discussing, since we, like I was saying, we live in a capitalist society where it's all about the money and owning a business is going to be key to our success. And so we're going to look at exactly how to do that properly. Besides whatever business it is that you are trying to open or you already have going on, we're hoping to talk to those who really don't have anything set up yet, but want to understand what they need to do to set up a business plan, to, to be able to protect the business, to be able to protect their employees if they have some, if they're, you know, so we're going to be discussing a little bit of that. There's going to be a lot of information today. And it's only a small percentage of the information that's available. Our role today is to kind of introduce you to some of the basic, most uh, common concepts in business strategies. Okay. It's not going to give you the whole, the whole ball of wax. We're not going to go into it in details. We're just going to touch on it. Your job is to identify someone, a professional, to help you understand which one will work for you and your business based on the goals that you've set. As you can see, we have the business strategy here and we're about to begin. Now, we talked about when it comes to money, growing wealth, the first thing that we must all do is protect our investment, okay? Protect our biggest asset. And today we're gonna to be discussing the business, right? So how do we help create security for the business owner. It all falls down into what retirement plan exists based on the business, okay? And retirement plans fall under two categories, qualified plans and non-qualified plans. Qualified plans are the ones that we are most familiar with. And I have it up here and it says it is a tax deductible plan that provide retirement benefits for the business owner and employees as well as it can provide death and disability benefits, okay? They give employers an edge in attracting and retaining highly qualified employees. 
You have to have something there to bring those folks that you want to recruit into your business. You have to have something to entice them. And depending on what type of business plan or retirement plan, I should say, you have going on, that might bring in the, the talent that you're looking for. So contributions are also not taxable to the employees in these types of plans. So when you are putting money into them, you're not getting taxed. But you will get taxed later because money in these plans go tax deferred. Now, you're going to be hearing some terms that I hope you remembered from our previous sessions, because all of this information leading up to today, we've discussed. So I'm going to be speaking as if you've been doing your homework, you've been reviewing your, your information, and you have a better understanding on how this works. Okay. Qualified plan, as we said before, falls into two categories. Okay. Um, Something happened there. I don't know if you saw that, but let's continue. Category, they fall into two categories. They either are going to be defined contribution plans or they're going to be defined benefit plans. Okay. And we're going to go into each, again, not in depth. We're just going to be an introduction to the many different things that you can have access to. So we're going to start talking about how do you decide which type of plan is right for your business. Okay, there's some rules of thumb that you have to, 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 to be aware of. If you are young and have enough time to accumulate reasonable retirement benefits, then you belong to the defined contribution plan. Okay, um, contribution flexibility, profit sharing plans are most popular with younger owners and key employees. Again, if you have the time to put money into, an, an, into a retirement plan, Remember the time value of money. We discussed that. Money needs time to do what it's going to do. So if you are young enough and um, you have the time ahead of you, then the defined contribution plan are typically the best one. And if you are a business or a professional practice with a history of fluctuating profits, you're not quite there yet. You, you know, you're trying to get the profits going and being more consistent. If you are one of those businesses and you do not wish to commit to a fixed contribution schedule, then the defined contribution plan is for you. Defined benefit plan now is for those who are a stable, well-established business or professional practice. They provide subs more substantial retirement benefits and greater tax deductions than other types of plans. They are usually favored by older or highly compensated owners and employees. Again, you're not supposed to understand these things from jump. You're supposed to have a professional to explain and see exactly which one would better suit you based on your goals. This is just going to be an introduction. And you can create, structure a retirement plan to have both of these plans in it, the defined contribution as well as the defined benefit. Okay? So, you have those options. It all comes down to planning. Whatever you want, you have to plan for it. Okay, so now let's look at what exactly is a defined benefit plan. It says it right here. Defined benefit plans are tax qualified retirement under IRC, Internal Revenue Code 401. Hence where the 401k name comes from because it follows the Internal Revenue Code 401. Contributions made to a defined benefit plan are made entirely by the employer. The contributions made to the plan are tax deductible and participating employees pay no current tax on the contributions that they, that's going in and the earnings that their money is, is, is growing in the funds. They're not paying any tax on these things until they begin distribution. Remember, we talked about that. I had to lay the, the groundwork for you in a way so that um, you knew exactly what that means about when you, you may not be paying taxes on your money, on your earnings at the moment, but when you start receiving distributions from it, that's when you're going to have to worry about the taxes. Okay, So you have to be aware of where you can put money that can help you to minimize those tax uh you know, the, the, the taxes that you're going to be left with paying. A defined benefit plan is a permanent retirement plan established by the employer. 
Okay, so if you are the employer, if you are the business owner, the one, the CEO and everything, you are the one who set this up and it's funded for the exclusive benefit of the employees and their beneficiaries. Okay, again, you want the best of the best. So you have to offer something that's going to bring them to you. And sometimes, depending on the packages that is offered, that's what sells them. Right. That's what seals the deal. And you now have a, a talented employee on your staff, on your team. Also, a defined benefit plan is the only type of pension plan that provides eligible employees a guaranteed monthly benefit at retirement. So in essence, you already know what that guaranteed retirement account uh savings is going to be, what that income is going to be if you have a defined benefit plan, okay? The contributions made to the plan must be sufficient, though, to pay those future benefits, as you promised, because that's the promise you're making to your employees, okay? So now who can establish the, def the uh, defined benefit plan? If you're a sole proprietor, you're eligible to do that. I'm not sure why this is happening, but and I don't know if everyone is seeing this, but it keeps jumping. So bear with me if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but on my end, the slides is jumping and I can't explain what's, what's, what's going on. But who can establish a defined benefit plan? The sole proprietors, right? Partnerships, businesses with partners in them, and LLCs, okay? Those are the ones that's pretty, uh, that falls into the defined benefit plan. Now there are, Okay, different types of benefit, uh, defined benefit plans. Okay, I've just jot, jotted down a few um, definitions, a few examples of exactly what they are. Okay, uh, the traditional defined benefit plan is best suited for your business if you have six or fewer employees eligible to receive a contribution. Okay, then the traditional defined benefit plan is probably the one for you, six or less. Okay. The defined benefit select plan is a hybrid of the traditional defined benefit plan, and it's best suited if you have between five to 25 employees eligible to receive a contribution. Okay. Now, there is another, the DB, which is defined benefit. See, it's going on again. I don't know what's going on. Defined benefit advantage cash balance plan. It's a lot to say, right? That's why you need a professional to work with you with this. This is an introduction to what you have to be aware of if you want to open a business and be successful in retaining employees. Okay. So the defined benefit advantage cash balance plan is also a hybrid pension plan and it's blending attributes of the traditional defined benefit plan with the defined contribution plan, which we're going to discuss a little later. Okay, and those are best suited if you have anywhere between five and 50 employees eligible to receive a contribution. Okay, and the last defined benefit plan that we are going to look at is a 412E3 plan that is funded using life insurance products with guarantees. This plan provides guaranteed retirement benefits and may include an insured death benefit, okay? So you have four different types of defined benefit plans that you have to be aware of. And depending on the size of your business, depending on what the goals are, depending on who you're trying to attract, you will determine which one of these plans are you going to, uh, you're going to adapt to uh, for your business. So now let's see if this went well. Okay, so now, Look at that. It's just going all over the places, guys. I know you're being patient with me because I don't know what's going on here, but we get, we, we're going to have it going on. Now, there are advantages and disadvantages to, the, these, to, to these types of plans, okay? And that's why you have to know which one is better suited for you. The advantages of the defined benefit plans are that any defined benefit plan will provide a larger deduction than a defined contribution plan larger maximum deductions. Those are some of the advantages. Another advantage is that there are guaranteed benefits. We said that earlier. Those are the things that makes people 
you know, pull towards the defined benefit plans because they are guaranteed benefits. Everyone likes to hear the word guaranteed when it comes to their income. And so that's why these plans are very popular. You can also have life insurance available with these plans. Okay. Uh, life insurance can be included in a defined benefit plan and it, it can increase the total plan deduction. Again, you may be like, I'm not understanding all these deductions, these plans. What is, what are you saying? You may not need to understand it all. You need to understand the options that are going to be available to you if you're going to be opening up a business. I'm not sure if everyone on the other end is actually experiencing what I'm experiencing, but, um, you know, there's something going on here because these slides are not staying put. And so, again, I, my apologies if you're seeing that as well, because I don't know what's what you're catching on the other end. OK, life insurance can be included. And that's the thing about most of these plans. Remember, we discussed last week in the last two weeks that there are three different institutions you can put your money in, right? Uh, banks, investment firms, or insurance companies. Well, when it comes to retirement plans, guess which institution out of the three that deals with these types of plans? That are the ones responsible to creating them for the businesses and the employees. You probably guessed it. It's the insurance industry. Okay, so a lot of folks may be a little bit hesitant when we talk about insurance, not realizing that most of what they are counting on is actually in an insurance product. Okay, so most retirement or retirement plans is, belong in the insurance industry. So if you're comfortable about your retirement plan being there and you've been comfortable with it, you can still be comfortable with it when somebody tells you about the life insurance that you may need for yourself because it's the same industry. Okay. So um, tax deductible contributions, as we said, you got to minimize those taxes, right? That's part of the, the way you, you built wealth. And to do that, there are these contributions, these retirement plans that allow you to contribute and get tax deductions for your contributions. So it's a great way. What does that mean? You make $100,000 a year. You're putting $20,000 into one of these retirement plans. Okay. Then you're only going to get taxed on the $80,000 and not the $400,000. It's a great way to minimize your taxes currently on an annual basis. At the same time, you have to be worried about your, the, the taxes that's going to be waiting for you when you start receiving your distributions. So you're not out of the woods completely. You got to be able to juggle and see where the options are so that you can definitely minimize those taxes at every turn. Okay. We talked about this before. It favors older participants. Okay. Uh, and so, and what are the, dis the disadvantages of these plans? Well, the cost. Okay. Defined benefit plans can become costly as participants approach retirement age. Okay. So. Nothing we can do about that. We all getting older, but if you do have one, that's one of the disadvantage. As you get older, it will become a little bit more expensive. But however, this can be seen as an advantage if your objective is to create a substantial tax shelter. Okay, and that is the that is your job. Number one job of all is to continue constantly search for these tax shelters, these legal ways for you to, you know, save, invest your money without having to worry about the tax liabilities at the other end. Okay, so that's the disadvantage of that. It can be seen as uh, a pretty costly plan, but if you're trying to create a tax shelter. Maybe it won't be too costly, okay? There's liabilities. You, the employer, the CEO, the founder are contractually obligated to provide the benefits guaranteed under the plan, okay? That's on you. You have to make good on that promise that you've made that they will receive this retirement upon retirement, this retirement income upon retirement, okay? That is on you for certain benefit plans, defined benefit plans, there is government insurance through the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. I'm so sorry. This is just getting to me right now. Okay. So there is a way to protect, to ensure. It's very similar to the uh, the insurance that, that you know your money in the bank have, FDIC. 
It's very, very similar to that kind of an insurance, except it's insuring money found in the insurance industry, okay, in insurance products. So, and what is the last uh, disadvantage of the defined benefit plans? It's complex, okay? The administration as well as reporting and disclosure are more complicated and costly in these traditional defined benefit plans than with other types of qualified retirement plans, okay? And so, you you know, those are the, the do's and don'ts, the pros and the cons. There's always pros and cons in everything, even the things that I've, you know, I've, we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks, nine weeks to be exact, is that there are always advantages and disadvantages. As long as you understand the rules, then you will know which ones matter to you and which one will benefit you ultimately. Okay, so those are the defined benefit plans. They're pretty simple that you see the, the, the size of the companies, basically no more than 50 companies are the ones that traditionally use the defined benefit plans and as little as one employer or the founder or the business owner. So that's it for the defined benefit plans. Okay, now that, what are the defined contribution plans? Well, the defined contribution plan is a tax qualified retirement plan in which the annual contribution made by an employer on the employee's behalf is specified in the plan, okay? There is no specific defined benefit in retirement. This is not a defined benefit retirement plan, so you're not going to know what your retirement income is going to be. It's not going to be a guaranteed retirement, okay? It is for that reason Folks who have these defined contribution plans do cannot know exactly what their retirement will look like because they haven't figured out those numbers. That will be decided at the retirement age. There's no way to figure out exactly what that's going to be when the time comes, if you have a defined contribution plan. But if you have a defined benefit one, you can, okay? And who can establish these defined contribution plans? Similarly, you can, if you're a sole proprietor, you can establish one. If you have a partnership, you can establish one. An LLC can establish one. A C corporation can establish one. S corporation can establish and non-for-profit organizations can establish these plans, okay? And they're going to determine your success depending on which one, you, which corporation, which business structure you have, and how you're going to devise this plan. And it's all on you. You can determine these things and there are advantages with all of them, okay? Now, we talked about that uh, when we said that there are a couple of rules of thumb. The profit sharing plans were the most popular ones, okay? When you have to decide which plan do you want, defined benefit, defined contribution. But if you're dealing with the defined contributions plan, the profit sharing ones are the most popular. Okay, a profit sharing plan is designed to help companies share their success with their employees. Okay, you as the business owner are allowed to make discretionary contribution to employees in the profit sharing plan. While the contribution could be based on company profits, it is not a requirement. Okay, the profit sharing plan makes you think that you must get your piece of the pie, but it's not a requirement, okay? It's most due, but it's not required. And the types of profit sharing plans that are out there, the traditional profit sharing ones, the age-weighted profit sharing, these are all the different names that comes with this and they have their specific specificity. For instance, the age-weighted profit sharing, if you're making sure you're putting a retirement plan for someone who's in the older years, that might be the one you lean towards, okay? Uh, and the 401k plans, we all, if nothing else, that's the one we all are familiar with, okay? The 401k plans. And there are advantages and disadvantages with all of these, as you know. And we're gonna look at some of them right now. Give me a second. The advantages and disadvantages of profit sharing plans. What are some? Well, flexible contributions. We love that. We love the fact that we can have flexibility with how much we can put into a plan. It's also pre-tax. 
and after-tax salary deferrals are available. So the money that is going into these plans, you know, are not getting taxed, which is why so many people love these things. They think they're avoiding taxes forever. But we talked about that, and you know that's not the case. Taxes are due at these accounts because these are the tax later accounts, okay? Tax-deductible contributions. As long as contributions do not exceed certain limits, the employer's costs for providing this important employee benefits are tax deductible. Everything has its limits. That's why we have to know the rules. So don't think it's, you know, you can just go crazy and, 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 and put as much as you want into it. There are limits to how much you can put in. Okay. Remember the IOA has its limits, $6,000 a year. The 401k has its limits, $19,600 a year. And that's of course, if you're under 50. You know, if you're over 50, they allow you some sort of like a catch-up uh, uh, option where you can put in a little bit more money to make up for maybe the years that you might have missed. Okay, so the employer contributions grow tax-deferred. Don't forget, tax-deferred does not mean tax-free. It means the taxes were deferred or being deferred to a later date. So you will have to pay taxes on those. But for now... It is an advantage because we're learning, we're, we're finding out how can we minimize our taxes today, okay, for this year. If we make 100000 how can we make, how can we just get taxed on 80000 or 70000 or maybe an 85? You decide, okay? So those tax contributions are, those uh, contributions are tax deductible. Contributions not currently tax taxable to employees except for the economic benefit of life insurance. You're going to hear life insurance pop up whenever I speak of these retirement plans because most people never realize it. That's what the retirement plan is. It's a life insurance policy. It's structured a certain way so that when it's time for you to, um, to retire, you will receive these benefits, but it is structured in the insurance industry. It favors older participants, this profit sharing plans, Different allocation formulas must be used. Plan administration is less complicated than the defined benefit plan, as we talked about. And again, life insurance is available. Insured plans can use a percentage of contributions to buy incidental life insurance protection for plan participants. Okay. What are the disadvantages of these, uh, of these plans? Well, contributions are restricted to specific limits. We just talked about that. Older participants may have lower retirement benefits than under defined benefit plans, which is why the defined benefit plan is the one favored for older employees. Recognizing past service to the company may not be possible with these plans. Since benefit amounts vary, participants may not be able to plan as accurately for retirement as they would with a defined benefit plan. Because what is it about the defined benefit plan? It's a guaranteed retirement income when it's time to retire. This is not the case with the contribution plans, the defined contribution plan. And in, in an insured plan, older or rated participants may not be able to buy as much life insurance as they could purchase in a defined benefit plan. So how do you make those determinations? That's why you need to have your team. We talked about that. Okay. This is a game that is a team sport. You need other players, professionals, when it comes to money to help you make these decisions. You're not going to be able to pick and choose by yourself which plan is best. You might have an idea, but it's always best to sit down with a professional, let them go over what it is that you want to accomplish, which plan offers these benefits, and then you can go from there. Make your decision to decide and decide which plan is going to benefit you. Um, great. So, so now those are the profit sharing plans. So, pick me, pick me. Now there are other plans that comes into play when you're thinking about uh, structuring retirement plans for your employees. We talked about the qualified plans. Okay, there were two kinds. The qualified plans either fell under the defined benefit plan or defined contribution plans. Okay, but there are also non-qualified plans. Okay, and what you need to remember between qualified and non-qualified is that qualified means the government, the, your money is qualified to be taxed. 
okay, it falls under the category where it will be taxed. That's the first thing you need to remember about anytime you see qualified, it means it's, it qualifies under Uncle Sam's rules, under the IRS rules that the money in these plans will be taxed. It may not be now, but it will be sooner or later. And if you remember, these plans typically have that RMD rule, the required minimum distribution, where if you allow your money to sit in these plans, when you are 70 and a half, you will be penalized, okay? 50%. So the money that Uncle Sam needs is taxes. But these plans, on the other hand, non-qualified plans, typically they are structured so that there are no taxes. Why is that? Because you pay taxes before the contribution, okay? There's no tax deductions with these plans because your money was paid, the taxes was paid in advance, Okay, and we talked about the harvest, the seed and the harvest, and what do you want? Okay, pay taxes early. Hopefully, you get a wonderful harvest, and you you owe nothing to Uncle Sam. Okay, and that's the way to go. So, what are some of these French uh, benefit plans? Right, these non-qualified French benefit plans. Now, I've listed just the the title and a little bit about what it does. Again. This, if I were to go into every single one of these things, we would be here for hours. It's an introduction. So there is a key person, okay? Uh, it protects the business against financial consequences resulting from the death of a key person. Sometimes a business fail because of one person passing away, okay? Or leaving the business for that matter, or no longer with the business. Sometimes the business is dependent on one individual to make it happen. And if that individual is no longer there, there goes the business. And that's called a key person, key individual, okay? And so there are ways to keep that individual or make sure that once or if that individual decides to leave, you have a backup plan to replace that individual. And an individual who is that important, that critical to the success of your business probably does not come so cheap. So which is why you need a plan to replace that individual in case of unexpected illness, disability, or even death. Okay. So that's the key person uh, benefit plan. There is the executive bonus benefit plan, right? Businesses pays premium to provide life insurance coverage for key employee slash owner. It's another way to, to, to identify that key individual and give them what they need and be sure that you are also protected in case that individual is no longer part of the business. You can continue, you can recruit the next best thing, the talents that you're looking for. It requires a little bit of money. And this is how businesses have structured themselves to be able to do that when the time comes. You also have the deferred compensation. So it provides supplemental retirement, death, and or disability benefits to key executives. Okay. Those guys, you got to make them, you got to make sure that you keep them satisfied. And what they like to see is that their money is growing and they don't have to worry about taxes. So you have to figure out which one of these plans is going to be the right one for them. Okay, look at the split dollar economic benefit. Life insurance purchase on employees' life, death benefit and cash value are shared. Okay, they are shared between the actual business and the employee. The details of that, you know, you will need to see a professional to understand how that works. But that's one of the ways that you can actually, you know, um, retain some key employees and make sure that the value that you're getting or they're getting comes back to you at the end. The split dollar loan regime, life insurance purchase on employees' life, death benefit, and cash value are shared. They're very similar. One is there to purchase, to hire another employee to replace, and the other one is just there to make loans. The details, okay, you will need a professional to sit with you to explain exactly how that works, okay? And then we have the buy-sell cross, the buy-sell agreements, okay? Each owner obtains a life insurance on the other owner or owners 
to buy and sell their respective business interests. We're going to discuss this one a little bit more. I chose one or two plans to discuss a little bit in details, not much because we already passed the half hour mark. So not much, but that is one of the uh, plans that we're going to discuss just a little bit so that you can really understand how beneficial it is to be, to have one of these plans if you have a business. Okay, and the buy, sell, entity, purchase, stock, redemption. Business entity obtains the life insurance on each owner to buy their respective business interests. Why is that? These owners pass, pass away as well. Okay, or they decide they want to sell their part of the business. But let's stick with the ones that pass away. What happens when these owners pass away? You need to be able to buy their share. Okay, you need to be able to do that. And this is one way that they've put together a plan that allows you to do that, that gives retirement uh, income to these executives, to these key employees, to I mean, to these key owners, you name it. This is how they go about doing it and make sure they cover their bases by providing this. Now, the qualified plans are not as in-depth as the contribution plans, but here they are. These are, and then there are some that has been left out because again, this was not meant to give you a full range of everything that you have access to, simply to give you an, a, a little intro into the type of plans you need to consider you need to have when it comes to owning your own business and making sure it's successful. Some of these may not be necessary. You will know when they are necessary. Okay. So what else? Now you have a business. This is the one that we're going to discuss a little bit, the type of buy-sell agreements. Here we go again. The type of buy-sell agreements are this. When you have a business and you have partners, again, they pass away. How do you buy their portion? How do you buy their interest into the business? They have a family. I'm sure there is a connection to the benefits of the business going to the family. It can become a pretty complicated mess if you do not have one of these plans in place before that happens. If you have, if you're the only owner, there's only one person, sole proprietor, we talked about which type of plans you can have. But if you are a business with more than one owner, then you need to have something in place for when that happens, okay? Because the family is going to be counting on you, okay? And so they've, they've created these buy-sell agreements, okay? Buy-sell agreements spells out what will happen to each owner's share of the business following a triggering event, such as retirement, death, or disability, any one of these things can take away from the success of the business. And you, as part of the owner, as a business owner, need to have this, in, this plan in place in case any of these things happen. A disability that keeps them from coming in. And I'm sure if they're a partner, they're bringing in some invaluable services. How are you going to make that? How are you going to continue with that if they are no if they're no longer able to come into the office? You might need to replace them. So this is the agreement that's been set up to do that. And what is it again? Are you surprised? It's a life insurance policy. Okay. A life insurance policy is purchased on the life of each owner. As you can see here, the owner retires or is disabled. The cash value is used to purchase the shares. You remember. We talked about life insurance. We gave you a little bit of an insight on the different types of life insurance. The one that we're speaking of is obviously the one that are permanent policies that has cash value in them. Okay. So when the time comes, the cash value that has been growing in these policies can be used to purchase the other owner's interests upon their retirement, their death, or disability. The owner the sells the shares to the successor, okay? Another is the owner died. Wow, this just keeps happening. Someone's going to have to tell me if that actually was happening to them as well. The owner died tax-free. Proceeds are used to purchase shares. The deceased owner's family sells the shares to the successor owner, okay? It is always about the plan. You know, what is what is the thing that they like to say? If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, okay? And that's what it comes down to. 
These are simple plans that you have to put in place before these things are needed. So these are the type of buy-sell agreements that can be used. You have something called the stock redemption agreement. It's referred to as an entity purchase agreement where the business itself is the buyer of the departing owner's business interest. It's not the other owners. It's the business itself okay, that buys the interest of the departing owner. That's one. The other is cross-purchase agreement, and that is an agreement between the individual owners of the business. Okay, they come together and they 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 provide and they come together and they create a plan. Of course, with a professional in between, someone who understands how these plans work. But they create a plan so that if anything happens to one or the other, they know that their money they will have enough funds to purchase the interest and maybe bring in a new partner or continue the business without until the appropriate time. Okay, no need to rush, especially if you have funds to rely on, then you can make decisions when the time is right. But when you are in need of money and don't have an, an owner un, uh, unexpectedly passes away, you may decide to make this, you may make decisions that are not in your interest because of the need for money. But with a cross-purchase agreement between the owners, that is not an issue. You also have the wait-and-see agreement. Now, it is essentially a hybrid agreement. Either the remaining owners of the business have the first option to purchase the interest of a departing owner. You can either wait to see exactly how that is going to happen. Okay, they're not making agreements in advance. They're going to wait and see exactly how they want to split the interests of the departing partner. Again, this can become a little bit complicated, but that is not for you to worry about. You, you will have a professional sitting beside you. I can't stress that enough. I know a lot of us like to do things, you know, do it yourself. This is not one of them. Okay, you need to have someone who understands the tax laws and how these plans can be structured to bring you maximum benefit. Excuse me. And the last types of buy-sell agreements is the one-way agreement in which the buyer of the interest is a third party or a key employee who has absolutely no current interest um, in the business, but they are just simply a third party or maybe even a key employee who wants to purchase the business. And that happens all the time. And that's the way to do that. It's called a one-way agreement. The buy-sell is ideal for business owners who have to worry about what will happen to the business if they lose their, 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 their business partners. Okay. And you know that can be pretty hard to deal with if you don't have a plan in place. You can see all your hard work go down the drain because of that. And that does not need to happen with these agreements. Now, the last type of retirement plan, okay, that you can use, you can structure to finance your retirement, it's called premium finance. Now, most of you are probably going to hear this for the very first time. So I'm going to give you the proper definition of premium finance. Premium finance is a strategy that is used by wealthy individuals and business owners to finance premiums for large life insurance policies. The strategy allows a high net worth individual who has a need for permanent life insurance to use an alternative method for paying the premium. It's getting better, wait to see. Rather than using their current cash flow or assets to pay for those premiums, they may choose to finance them from a bank. Okay. Yes, you can finance life insurance from a bank, but it's not for everyone. Let's read the very first line. It is a strategy used by wealthy individuals and business owners. Now, how wealthy? You know, what's the definition of wealthy? Well, to meet one of the requirements that you must meet is your household income must be $100,000. Now, it's not that's not too much. You could be $50,000 for each for a couple. That qualifies you. At least that's one of the criteria. 
So you don't have to be a millionaire to be able to, uh, to uh, apply for a premium finance policy, but you do need to have a minimum of $100,000 household, either as an individual or as a couple, okay? And there are ways for these to be financed. So that's all you need to know about the wealthy individuals. And of course, the business owners. Business owners enjoy leveraging other people's money. And that's what the banks are, right? Other people's money. So it's always a great thing when you can leverage other people's money to get what you want. Some folks, that's all they do. They don't understand anything else except that type of leverage. So financing, premium finance, which is in life insurance, is a way to do that with life insurance. So why should I choose premium financing? Who chooses that? Well, here it is. Think back to the last time you bought real estate or business or any other significant asset. How did you get it? Did you pay for it outright? Did you go into your pocket or you went for that loan, for that benefit? Okay, from financing premiums for similar reasons. So you have done this before. You, anytime that you are purchasing a big asset, you recognize the leverage opportunity that exists. And so life insurance is the same. Besides earning $100,000 household income, the policy also has to be a minimum of $1 million. Okay, so those are some of the requirements to be able to qualify. If you're trying to open a $100,000 policy and get it financed, it's not going to happen. Okay, if you're trying to do a $500,000 policy and you want it to be financed by the bank, it's not going to happen. It needs to be a minimum of $1 million and you need to make at least $100,000 a year. I forgot to mention net income. Okay, it can't be the gross right? It has to be the net income of $100,000 will qualify. And the minimum you can get is $1 million. Okay. Uh, what else he says? You may benefit from financing premiums for similar reasons. Okay. You may not want to liquidate illiquid, profitable, or otherwise meaningful assets to make premium payments. You know, Folks, business owners, folks who love money or who has money, they don't like to use their money for anything at all, okay? They can afford to, but they like to leverage. And that's a term you need to adapt in your life when you talk about money. You need to leverage as much as you can. And when you understand interest and you understand Rule 72, you will understand when it is appropriate for you to use other people's money versus your own. Okay. And so this is, this is an opportunity to do that. Your current cash flow may be already committed to other expenses. You know how we are. We live beyond our means, some of us, most of us. So we may want something like this, but we don't have the extra cash available to enter into an agreement like this, but you got the right, and there's no credit involved. When you hear financing, Everybody always thinks there has to be a credit check. There's no credit check. So it doesn't matter what your score is. Should have probably led with that. Okay. Does not matter what your credit score is. There is no credit check to get a premium finance company uh, policy, even though a bank is involved and they're helping to finance the policy. It can get very complicated, but they, you know, banks are not going to do that if they don't have their collateral and they do have it. To understand the ins and outs, you have to sit with a professional only if you meet the criteria, the initial criteria. As I said, you're trying to open a million dollar policy, you're in. You make at least $100,000 a year net, you're in. Then you will learn how these work. Okay. Uh, what else? What are some of the reasons that people choose to finance premiums? Financing can provide gift tax leverage as loans made to your irrevocable life insurance trust to pay premiums are not subject to gift tax, okay? Now, that's probably speaking to a small population. When people are talking about gift tax, they're thinking about you have to have money to get that. Maybe, maybe not. But bottom line is, if you do fall into that category, you need to understand exactly how to use that to your benefit, okay? How to use one of these plans to your benefit. 
And the last reason that people like to choose financing, uh, premium finance, is that it allows for the purchase of a large life insurance policy at a lower out of pocket. Look at this. Okay, are we here? Are we good? It allows for a lower out of pocket cost when compared to paying premiums directly. Okay, so who doesn't want to pay a little bit to get a lot? I'm going to make it simple because I know you're probably looking at this chart saying, okay, let me understand what it says. Step one is funding period. Step two is after funding. And step three is loan repayment. I will speak in a, you know, lamb terms so that um, you can understand exactly how this works. But for now, the, the diagram says it all. Okay. You see the bank. The bank loans the premiums to the individual. The individual pays the premium to a life insurance company, life insurance policy, okay? The life insurance policy issues the life insurance, the, the, the insurance company issues the life insurance to the individual and the individual assigns the policy as collateral. Why as collateral? The member, the minimum death benefit of one of these policies is a million dollars. If everybody does what they're supposed to do, the bank knows that they will get their money. So they're not losing anything. And even if you thought they were, the mere fact that a bank is willing to do this should tell you that they know they're getting their money. Okay, very much similarly to that, how they know they're going to get their money for a mortgage of a house. And if they don't, they know how to get that collateral. They know how to get that house back. Okay, so they're not sweating giving you that loan for your mortgage. Same as this, they're not sweating giving you the loan to pay your life insurance policy because it has been assigned to them as collateral. Okay, banks deal with collaterals and your life insurance policy becomes collateral. Okay, again, one more time. Okay, now after funding it completely, after you fund it, I'm going to explain to you a little bit about how this works because this is so interesting once I came across it. After funding it, you as the person who owns the policy or at least whose the policy is under, pays the interest to the bank. All that is done within the policy. You're not coming out of your pocket at all to pay the bank. You're not making an extra payment to the bank every month because you owe the bank interest on the money it lent you to purchase this life insurance policy. It's not at all done like that. There is interest being paid. If you're dealing with banks, you know, banks want their interest but they've structured it in a way that the policy itself funds, repays back that interest, okay? And the step three is the loan repayment, okay? It goes from the assignment of the policy is released to the individual, or I should say this, the policy loan is taken or death benefit is paid out. The loan is repaid at this point, and the policy is released to the owner. It may sound complicated, but let me let me try to make it a little simpler. Okay. Listen to this. These policies typically take a 20 year span. Remember, these are for wealthy individuals or business owners. So putting money away for the next or not having access to it. And I shouldn't say not having access to it because you do have access to money in life insurance policy at all times. There are no age requirement to access your money. And there's no penalty to access your money. Okay. But excuse me, these are the way that, let me see the after funding that. So you have the first 20 years, the 20 years, you have a 40 year old business owner who's looking to retire in, the, in his sixties. If, you know, most business owners do not retire in their sixties, but you know, you, you structure it in a way upon retirement, you will have some retirement income. Okay, and the plan usually takes about 20 years to work. So if you're too old, meaning like if you're in your late 60s or early 70s and you are deciding to do something like this, you will not qualify. Okay, uh, well, you can qualify if you're in your late 60s, mid 60s, you can, but believe me, it will cost. But if that's what you want, it's doable. But over 70, it's almost non existent. Okay, but for the first 10 years, the policy will be funded, okay? This is how these policies work. It's for a 20-year span, right? Let's take the first, let's take them by chunks, okay? Or let's take them by the first, for the first five years. 
The first five years, the bank is putting in their, their contribution and you are putting your contribution. Very similar to purchasing a home. You bring in your deposit, your down payment, and the bank finances the rest. Okay, very similar. This is the amount that you need to put on an annual basis. The bank will put their portion and you will put your portion. It will be decided based on the policy and so on and so forth. That happens for the first five years where both of you are contributing. Between the sixth and 10th year, you are no longer contributing. You are done contributing. That is it. You contribute for the, towards these policies for the first five years only. But between the sixth and 10th year, the bank continues to fund the policy appropriately. Okay. So, the, so, for, so technically for the first 10 years, this policy is being funded. The first five is being funded by you and the bank. The last five years is being funded solely by the bank. After the 10th year, there are no more funding going into the policy. Can funding continue to go into the policy? Absolutely. If you want to continue to put money into it, but it's not necessary. Okay. After the 10th year, no one puts money into the policy anymore. Definitely not the bank. If anyone is putting more money into this policy after the 10th year, it will probably be the life the insured. But the bank no longer needs to do that. So between the 10th and the 15th year, the money that's been contributed for the last 10 years begins to do what it does. What do I say it does? The law of gestation, the law of transmutation. The money is growing. The compound interest is making it double, quadruple, you name it, depending on the interest that it's getting. Okay, That's what happens for the next five years. No one is able to access the money. The bank doesn't need the money, provided the person obviously is still alive. Things continue. On the, upon the 15th year of this policy being enforced, the bank now withdraws their money. They take their money with interest out of the policy, leaving the difference for you as a life insurance policy. Again, that's the 15th year. I told you this is a 20-year span. The, the last five years, you do the same thing the banks did. You just sit on the money. You just let it do what it do. You just keep letting it do what it do. You don't need it now. The bank just needed to keep it up to the 15th year and take their money. They make their money off of you. They're happy. They go about the business. You continue with your policy. If you want to continue to fund the policy and put more money into it, you can. If you don't want to do that, that's your right as well. And as of the 20th year, you can begin to withdraw money. Could you have withdrawn money earlier than that? Absolutely. Can you decide to withdraw money after 25 years in total? Absolutely. That is your decision. That is your choice. No one comes in between you and when you can access your money in a life insurance policy, which is why it is one of the best things that we can ever have going for this. So that is it. What is premium financing? I hope I made it a little bit clearer. Okay. It's leveraging banks to finance policies, but it's only available to the wealthy individuals and business owners. Okay. Not for everyone. And again, who do you need to speak with to understand all that I've mentioned, I, I, I defined to, to you today? A professional, okay, a financial advisor, someone, an agent who can explain to you how to structure your business properly and fund these retirement plans for your employees as well as for yourself. And if you need my assistance, you know where to find me, okay? This is my information. Please jot it down. You can go and review all the other sessions that we have. So do not hesitate at all to reach out to me if you need to. I am available at all times. And last week, next week we are going, oh, I see you were being patient. Next week is going to be our very last class, okay, for this session. So I'm hoping that you join me again. We actually, at the last minute, I don't see any questions. If there are any this is the opportunity, this is the time to go ahead and no, no, no questions. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to share some great information with you. Okay.
I hope to see you next week. I'm still waiting to see if there's anything else popping up. Nope, 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 nope. Business owners out there, good luck with your business. And uh, make sure you know the rules before you do anything. And have a good advisor by your side. Very, very much key to your success. So that's it, guys. See you next week. Take care of yourself. Okay? And I am out. Miss Tammy is out. We will see each other next week. Bye, everyone. Let me stop sharing my screen and see.